This is an RNZ podcast. I always thank God that uh, yeah, at least I'm alive and I'm with them. Kia ora and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. It's a year since a gunman took the lives of 51 people in the Christchurch mosque shootings. But the attacks also left so many wounded. They included Ahmed Jahangir. He faces a lifetime with constant burning pain in his hand as just one bullet shattered his collarbone and shredded many nerves. But he also lost his livelihood for a time. For a lot of the last year, his restaurant had the closed sign-up. Happily, it reopened late last year. But life has not progressed so well for his chef at the time, who was also seriously injured when at prayer in the Linwood Mosque. He's still getting medical treatment, cannot work, and is struggling with housing, income and immigration. Last year, Conan Young spoke to Ahmed over the months as he fought to get his old life back, and he's also more recently spoken to the chef, Mohammed Sahadat. Ahmed's injury means he's no longer able to put his arms around his two young boys when he reads to them at night. Yeah, I've just touched my very sensitive part now. So, I, uh, yeah, it gets very hard. Unfortunately, I can't do what I want to. And blood building up in his lungs following the shooting almost robbed his sons of their father completely. <sighs> yeah, when I can't play with them and can't... Uh, cuddle them but yeah it's it's uh, it's a very big gift for me for my Allah that he has still kept me alive in 10 years of marriage Ahmed's wife Fatima says she never saw her husband cry but that's all changed I'm feeling very bad and very feeling very sad in front of him I'm showing that I'm strong but inside me is like I'm I try to make myself more stronger. Their roles have reversed. Before this incident, he encouraged me, he supported me every time. Whenever I become up, I will become low. But now, it's totally changed. So, you know, I know time will heal every problem for me. And I know it will take a long time. Part of Ahmed's rehabilitation involves a visit from a psychiatrist. The strong sleeping pills he takes at night allow him to get a good night's rest. But they do nothing to stop the nightmares and flashbacks of that day at the Linwood Mosque when seven people were shot dead around him and so many more were hurt. I want to start by saying that we are currently dealing with an unprecedented situation in New Zealand. It's very grave. Very serious. Uh, whilst I cannot give any confirmation at this stage around uh, fatalities and casualties, what I can say is that it is clear that this is one of New Zealand's darkest days. When the shooting started, Ahmed headed straight for the women's prayer room and told everybody to stay down. I thought I'll just slowly sneak and see where exactly he is and how I can... Uh, rescue everyone. Uh, I just came out of those uh, partition walls and uh, it was right in front of me and bang. As he struggled to stay awake, he worried he wouldn't survive. I still remember that my mouth was filling with blood. I was spitting out all the blood because I knew that I should not intake that blood, otherwise my lungs will get uh, damaged and then, yeah, within within a minute or two, I felt that I have lost all my control on my hand. My hand was in terrible pain. 
I was trying to, you know, hold my hand and get her from the ground, but I couldn't do it. Fatima was cut by broken glass and fractured her shoulder as people rushed to get out of the mosque. Their children had been held at school and preschool for their own safety until police were sure everything was okay. She didn't get to see them until mid-evening. It was then straight to hospital, where Ahmed was undergoing emergency surgery to remove the blood from his lungs. She stayed there all night, waiting for news. Still, I don't know whether the operation is done or not, he's alive or not. I don't know anything. Just I'm standing and praying. That's it. And when I came to know in the uh, morning of 6.30, I came to know that he is alive and he is out of danger now, but still having uh, like a lot of pain and uh, went, he's on ventilator. Fatima hated seeing her husband lying there with tubes coming out of him, helping to keep him alive. It was four days before he woke up. He was uh, saying me that uh, you are my brave wife. I'm proud of you and all that. <laughs> it's very, you know, I feel very more stronger, but uh, the time I'm, I was very emotional after listening his voice. The two boys were desperate to see their father. They are saying to him, Baba. Baba is a father. So I want to see my Baba. Mama, please. And they are crying, so I said, uh, OK, I will show you Baba. But don't ask anything and don't be scared, OK? The mouth is full covered with machines, so don't skate. So the older one was a bit upset and cried a lot. Younger one was very scared. Fatima had already been told by the doctors that her husband would need multiple surgeries in the months ahead to repair the damage to his collarbone and nerves. Even then, there was only a 50-50 chance of him getting full use of his arm and hand back again. I said, inshallah, nothing will happen. Nothing. You are out of danger, so we will. You will see your kids soon, and you will. Everything will be like before. On that time, I say said like that, but I know myself what will be the next, you know, step will be. So I know everything clearly, but he don't know. Ahmed has had some devastating injuries. He's had a, a gunshot wound that's damaged his chest, his chest wall and uh, also damaged his clavicle or collarbone. And behind the collarbone sits a complex intertangle of nerves that we call the brachial plexus. And those nerves uh, come out of the side of the neck and then go into this plexus where they uh, uh, join and then separate again and intermingle. And then the, the, the nerves to the arm come out at the bottom end and go down the arm. And so he's had damage to those, uh, significant damage to the nerves to his collarbone, which was uh, broken or shattered, and to his chest wall. And each of those in themselves would cause significant pain. But damage to the nerves and the brachial plexus is associated with very significant pain issues in, in almost every patient that uh, we've dealt with, with these sorts of injuries, uh, and is often a lifelong problem, despite everything we try to do to help. Gordon Beadle is one of two surgeons in charge of trying to relieve the pain in Ahmed's hand. He's operated on 30 mosque shooting victims, including four with the same debilitating nerve pain as Ahmed. He says the hollow point bullets were designed to cause maximum carnage. 
you know, a bullet's just a tiny little thing, but when it's travelling at, uh, uh, you know, 1,500 metres a second, that's a huge energy shock when it hits the body. And so we have damage from the bullet fragments themselves, but there's almost a blast-type injury. This huge energy just goes boom into the soft tissues and damages uh, muscles, nerves, blood vessels. Gordon Beadle was part of a team on March the 15th that dealt with 48 critically injured patients in less than one hour. I quite know how to describe the experience of seeing so many people with gunshot wounds. You'd never want to see that in your career. But to see so many people who'd been shot, injured, their loved ones and friends killed in front of them, and their sort of uh, almost uh, quietness, and you know, so there may have been some anger inside them, but... Uh, they were, you know, wonderful patients to look after. You know, that's a, 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 a fix you for a while. Ahmed has already had a place inserted in his shoulder and that was followed by a bone graft, taking a piece from his hip to mend his shattered collarbone. Ahmed, you've very kindly given us some time here this evening. You're going to show us the various medications you have to take, mostly for your pain, is that right? Yeah, the medicines that I take, yeah, most of them are just for the pain. Yeah. Uh, just few for uh, constipation and yeah, uh, reflexes. Yeah. The intense pain Ahmed felt in his right hand within a few seconds of being shot has never left him. This is the pain relief method in, that I take, say about five tablets a day. I've got this pregabalin. I take four tablets a day. To cope, he needs to take a dizzying array of painkillers and still more drugs to deal with the side effects. This is Tramadol 50mg fast relief. I take, depending on the pain level, I take four in a day. Again, this paracetamol, I take about uh, three to four, depending on the pain. 30 pills a day, every day for the past six months. Ahmed is at his restaurant, Bawachi. It's the only halal restaurant in Christchurch, making the cuisine of his hometown of Hyderabad. But it's been closed for six months. A sign on the door says it's temporarily shut due to two people being injured in the mosque attacks. Ahmed's chef was also shot at the Limwood Mosque. Another six staff, including waiters, a manager and a kitchen hand, all had to be let go. They got the open work permit now so that they can look for other jobs. But you know the job, how the job market is. It's really difficult to find a job here. The restaurant, which had been running for just over a year, was popular with Muslims looking for halal food in an alcohol-free environment and with non-Muslims alike. The whole uh, dining area used to be full. All the tables occupied, especially on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, like, you know, looking at that, uh, I used to enjoy a lot. Yeah, definitely, you know, it, it, it's a different feeling if your customers, your clients, when they appreciate your work, definitely is a proud moment for you. It's only the second time Ahmed has been back here since he was forced to shut up shop. I have got mixed feelings. When I come here and uh, try to recollect 
things that used to happen here. So that that is a good feeling that I get when I come here. And uh, again, um, it hurts a lot too when I see that it's 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 not running. While Ahmed's sole source of income has disappeared for now, his chef, Mohammed Sahadat, has been told by his doctors that he may never work as a chef again. A bullet entered his hand and travelled all the way up his arm, exiting at his shoulder. Using Ahmed as an interpreter, he says if he'd been facing right instead of left, the bullet would have hit him in the head. God has saved him, he says, like uh, if he would have faced towards right and then he would, he would have died. Sahadat has lost all use of his right arm. The mental scars from that day are also taking a long time to heal. Everything is very fresh, uh, what happened that day. And uh, when he goes now for the prayer, he's never comfortable. He can't pray with the peace of mind. Whenever he, while he's in prayer, whenever car passes by, he gets that fear in his heart, saying, thinking that someone is again coming to, you know, attack us. Putting the horrific attack behind him has been made harder for Sahadat who has twice been threatened with violence and racially abused by members of the public. The first time he was with his wife and on his way back from the supermarket when a teenager and an older man blocked their way. The pair asked Sahadat, are you from the mosque, and then threatened to kill them. It happened again a short time later, this time involving another teenager. So he just scared now to step out of the house. He's not, uh, you know, free of uh, anything. These kind of incidents make everything fresh again for him. He doesn't feel safe. He doesn't feel safe to step out of house. Uh, mosque is just, say, about a couple of hundred uh, metres from here. And he loves to go to mosque, but he's uh, scared about all these things. And uh, it happened on midday, around uh, 12.50. So during the daylight, he's being tortured. This is the first time Ahmed has heard about these attacks on Sahadat and his family, and he's shocked. It's a very bad thing. Like, you know, a few people I don't understand. uh, How can they just even think of doing like this, like... They should just show mercy on them, like, you know, people like him, like, especially like us, you know, if we have gone through already so many things, and again, you know, I don't understand. Um, it's, it's hard to accept the reality, but this, this is the reality. I'm Conan Young, and you're listening to an RNZ Insight program marking the six-month anniversary of the Christchurch mosque attacks. The challenges for Sahadat are many. Despite multiple surgeries, his arm remains too weak for him to lift things or complete any of the tasks required of a chef. He's receiving ACC, but because he'd only been in the country for a few months at the time of the shootings, he's only getting 60% of his chef's wage. On this, he has to support his newly arrived wife and four children. So, 
अभी ये हॉस है तो ठीक है हंड्रेड डॉलर हम यहाँ आफ्टर एवरी थिंग स्पेंडिंग मनी ऑन ग्रोसरी एंड अदर शॉपिंग हार्डली एनी थिंग रिमेन्स टू यू नो लुक आफ्टर हिज फैमिली ऑफ सिक्स मेम्बर्स सो इट्स गेटिंग वेरी हार्ड फॉर हिम टू यू नो कप नाव वेन ही न्यूज एज अबाउट एडिशनल सपोर्ट्स एंड अदर थिंग्स ही गोज टू द एम एस डी एंड आस्क फॉर दो सपोर्ट्स they say you're not eligible because you are already getting an uh, payment from acc or saying that you're not eligible because of your not in permanent resident here the only way to warm the temporary accommodation that's been found for sahadat and his family is a panel heater on the wall but after a 400 dollar power bill he's reluctant to turn it on it's midwinter in christchurch and their house is freezing He tries to stay warm with the help of a woolen beanie knitted by a local charity and a leather jacket. One of his children had to be hospitalised recently after coming down with influenza. One of those helping this family is advocate Deborah Lemon from the charitable trust Navigate Your Way. Affordable heating isn't the only thing this family needs. They don't have a vacuum cleaner or a washing machine, so some things weren't there. When they moved into the place, Taram, his wife, has been hand washing since day one that she's been here. And because he's receiving ACEC, and I understand it's only sixty percent of his wage before um, when the shooting happened, um, he's not eligible for grants from MSD to pay for like a washing machine or pay for a vacuum cleaner. Is that right? Correct, and and that's because of the eligibility and the criteria of the systems. Like 250 other mosque victims, Sahadat has been appointed a case manager. The job of each case manager is to ease the way for the victims as they seek support from a myriad of state agencies and apply for visas for visiting family. Deborah Lemon says the case managers have their work cut out for them. I think at times they've been incredibly fantastic, but the model of the system and the framework that they operate within. As much as they want to be flexible, is very hard to bend because it's quite black and white. The government minister in charge of coordinating support for victims, Megan Woods, insists the case managers are doing the job they were put there to do. Getting various bits of governments working in tandem um, is, is something that requires, you know, a great deal of coordination. And I'm really proud of the fact that actually we've got 250 families. Here in Christchurch, that are getting individualised um, Ministry of Social Development case management. But Miss Woods says she hasn't been made aware of the racist abuse and threats of violence Sahadat and his wife were subjected to. Racism didn't disappear on the 15th of March, and it is all of our responsibility um, to ensure that we're not tolerating that in our society. Um, that that kind of hatred. Um, has no place in Christchurch or New Zealand, um, and that we don't want it here. And I certainly want to know if anyone is feeling unsafe. Then we need to make sure that there is adequate security for them. These families have been through enough. Um, being subjected to to racist taunts or threats is simply not acceptable. Permanent residency was offered to all victims, and by extension, their immediate families following the mosque attacks, as part of the Christchurch response visa. This means Sahadat, who was previously only on a work visa, was able to bring his family here much earlier than expected. But Deborah Lemon says their application has still not been processed. 
making it much harder for them to access the support with housing and welfare that's offered to those with residency. I do struggle to understand, like, we're close to six months in and the longer it goes, the more they struggle. Ahmed's family is incredibly important to him and have all rallied around him at his time of need. The other pillar in his life is his faith. Even with his injury, Ahmed never misses Friday prayers at the Limwood Mosque on the other side of town from where he lives. When an offer came from the Saudi king to pay for 180 mosque victims to visit Mecca as part of Hajj, he leapt at it. His recovery and his battle to get his restaurant open again all took a back seat. I said to my wife, yeah, it is a call from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we, we can't say no and we, have, we are the lucky ones. Yes. We are the lucky ones that Allah is calling us to his house and uh, we should thank for that and we should start preparing for it. Every Muslim is required to complete Hajj if they are financially or physically capable. While Ahmed had already done it, his wife had not, and despite his condition, he was determined for her to have this opportunity. Women are not allowed to do the pilgrimage unless they are with their husband or a male relative. Despite a 36-hour flight and long waits in multiple transit lounges, as soon as Ahmed and his wife arrived in Mecca, they headed straight for the Kaaba, the holiest shrine in Islam. We did two tawafs on the day when it was 48 degrees and we couldn't stop ourselves, you know. We were so happy to be in Mecca and uh, perform the Hajj, we couldn't stop ourselves. Fatima says touching the sacred black stone that absolves worshippers of their sins was life-changing. What I feel is everything will be all right. Everything, you know, Allah is there and everything will be all right. uh, There are five pillars in Islam. Uh, Hajj is one of the pillars in Islam, which we completed. And an update now on how Ahmed Jahangir and Mohammed Sahadat are faring six months on from when Insight last talked to them. For personal reasons, Ahmed Jahangir declined to be interviewed again but did confirm that new chefs have been hired to work at his restaurant, which is now reopened. Life for his former chef, Mohammed Sahadzat, Mohammed's wife and their four children, continues to be a struggle. He's still recovering after a secondary infection, following yet another round of surgery on his injured shoulder. The family has had to uproot itself after the temporary accommodation being provided for them and other mosque victims was closed down. Another temporary home has been found, but a lot further away from the children's schools. There is one advantage. Unlike the previous place, this one has a heat pump and is a lot warmer. However, this family's been told it's not eligible for permanent social housing, meaning in less than two months, they're going to have to find a private rental. I'm a professional, I'm a professional chef. 
Speaking through an interpreter, Mohammed says he's been told he will never be able to return to work as a chef and is currently not able to carry out simple tasks, let alone take on employment that would allow him to provide a roof for his family. The biggest thing he misses is having able to provide for his family, working as a chef, so and being able to be independent and do anything that he wanted. Even if he couldn't do it, he would try harder to make it happen. But now he can't do that, so that's the biggest thing, that's, that's the hindrance. There's still no word on whether his family, currently here on temporary visas, will be granted permanent residency. As of the 9th of March, 173 family members of those bereaved or injured as a result of the mosque attacks, who were in the country at the time, had been granted permanent residency. Of the 48 requests there have been for ministerial intervention, 33 have been granted permanent residency or temporary visas. 10 have been turned down and 5 are still waiting for a response. That programme was written and presented by Conan Young. If you'd like to podcast other insight programmes on issues like the Islamic Women's Council's warnings to the government ahead of the mosque attacks or free speech versus hate speech, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week on Insight, Phil Pennington investigates the state of the country's public hospital buildings amid fears they're compromising medical care and raising the risks for the nurses and doctors. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you listening, and do join us again next time.